mute. That's yep, weird. Everyone's already on mute. It's on do not disturb. Well, actually, go to your options and make sure you put. Um... Blur my background? No, I thought there was an option to hold like incoming calls, but I guess not. I won't worry about it. Oh, no, but... there's an option. It says hold call. <laughs> oh, is that what that is? Well, I don't know if you can see it because I've already hit record. That puts you on call, bro. Puts me on call? Yeah, I thought there was another option. Whatever oh. you just hit, your screen went blank, and it just showed your picture, and then it came back on. Can you... All right, yeah, no, we'll just have to deal. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, whatever. I don't know. Let's crack this egg. <laughs> hey, don't rush this bitch. This has uh, been three weeks in the making. I don't see you doing your running start. No, nothing. I, I've been running around with my brother and outside and all kinds of shit, dude. Oh, just everybody else but me, huh? Well, the only thing you run is your fucking mouth. Uh huh, uh huh. And the electric build up with this AC being on. Mm. All right, let me see. Good. Good, good. Andrew looks, you know, as good as he's gonna get. Okay, all right. I'm gonna let the timer run for a couple seconds, so I can get the over on. You can hit your. Uh, well, now he's getting up. Close the blinds. It's always something with you, bro. Closing your eyes. <laughs> I was closing the blinds because BMO kept jumping up and she could see us from over the couch and was like whining. Whining and dining? Yeah, so I'm hoping she'll just go chill for a minute. <sighs> All right, I started the timer too. Mine's at like 10 seconds, so. All right, mine's at 40. I was going to let it go like two minutes and then get going. Uh -huh. I'd rather be two minutes under than two minutes over. <sighs> Does it show up that I took a picture? Yeah. Nice. It says Craig took a snapshot. <sighs> you ready for this, you little fuck? Why do I still have a nice tan and you look like shit? I don't know. I'm looking pretty white. Is it yeah, shitty white? Is it crystal white? Clear white? Like the dead. <laughs> hey, here's the sippers. I see you switched it up. Yeah, Dante got me this cup. At least he's good for something. All right, you ready? Yeah. <sighs> All righty. And in. <laughs> Welcome.
Welcome, gamers, to this week's returning episode of Last Call Gaming. We have been on a hiatus, just like many other things running around that are being affected by this quarantine, this uh, pandemic that's happening. Andrew and I normally do a show side by side, uh, sitting in this room, and it flows very easily, at least for the most part. However, since he's now doing it from his location, I'm doing it from my Save location. Time at home. <laughs> right now we're, now we're really working from home. Uh, we've just had technical difficulties. This was never an avenue Andrew and I were particularly strong in. Even when we started getting the show off the ground, when we uh, were doing it side by side, it kind of it had its you know hurdles that we had to jump over. And we finally got this done. And we've been looking up a ton of videos week after week. We had some really good help from our buddy Scott, who streams at Scott Shadows. You guys can check him out. But everything didn't kind of seem to work. It was always adding one more thing, one more this. And Andrew and I, I think we finally got it done. So um, even though I'm a stickler on how our quality normally looks and sounds, probably compared to how it's going to look today, we do finally have it running. And I got to say, Andrew was one of the bigger um, parts to get this going. So hats off to um, Andrew. Finally, so, I got my doing proper. Finally, you know, it only took uh, 43 episodes. But I do want to say, because I, I was actually talking to Andrew a couple weeks ago, we missed our year anniversary. Our year anniversary was actually on March 8th. Um, today, recording is April 18th. So it is. it did kind of fly by that we've actually been doing this for a year now. I know. I think it was more because we were just so caught up with all the COVID and all that stuff at the time. We just didn't even think about it. Yeah, it kind of just blew right by. So, guys, we are back. And if this works and it seems so far that it should be, then we should be able to keep delivering uh, content for you guys moving forward without any hiccups unless something big happens. So moving into the first story that we're looking at, um, there was a Bloomberg report that just came out that was stating that the PS5 was going to be short on their PS5 uh, launch. They're going to be launching about five to six million consoles within their first fiscal year ending in March 2021. And then if you compare that to the numbers of the PS4, they actually, I believe, Andrew, were they sitting at like seven, two point million in that same time frame? Yeah, so, it was definitely something like that. I know you, you're the one that um, pointed this out to me. Um, you took a look at it. What are your initial thoughts? I know you have like a, maybe a quote or so in front of you. Yeah, I had the quote that they the person, of course, wants to remain private, but Bloomberg report there, I mean, they're a big reputable company, so it's not like they would publish anything without actually verifying somebody. I mean, they're a huge, huge company. But the person's quote was that they're gonna be Sony's gonna be limiting initial production run in part because it expects PS5's ambitious specs to weigh on demand by leading to a high price at launch. Now that kind of also means in a way-ish too, because they also had come to the conclusion by talking to someone else that PlayStation 5's parts, again, no one's come out and set a price on anything. Just for the console itself, for them to make, for Sony to cut it and everything done, is going to come out to 450 And I know a lot of people are hoping for that PS4 399 So right now with the economy, maybe they're thinking, essentially what they're thinking because the whole COVID thing is, is maybe because the higher price point, maybe they're not going to sell as many like what they did with the PS4. But that's also not just because... I don't think it's a price point issue, but I think it's because we're kind of in a recession and no one really knows what it's going to be like afterwards. Yeah, I kind of look at it where, uh, I mean, you could, I mean, interpret this many different ways. There's, a, there's other outlets that look at it, you know, is it the price point, is it the shortage of this, is it, is it that? Um, it's really kind of these weird boxes that we're in where, you know, A, does the price point effectively matter? And B, do you go and release something that costs, you know, closer to the 500 and up range in a time where it's not, you know, fiscally smart to be spending that kind of money, especially on just a new machine for the home. And it sucks because, you know, we all had 
high hopes that we were getting new consoles at the end of this year. And I know, you know, Microsoft is still kind of staying strong with that. And Sony has been saying that they will be, but you know, facts are facts. And it looks like they probably won't be launching at least till the you know first quarter of next year. And um, it's weird. Yeah. Do they sit on this thing, you know, that's maybe sitting on shelves for longer than it needed to be. Do they find out right out the gate that no one's even going to be touching this thing if it is 549. So um, it's weird that Sony is kind of, in this situation, it seems like a lot of things haven't really been moving in Sony's direction in terms of like uh, credibility or fan favoritism. It's because right now they just their messaging's actually been really bad. Is more what it is. They don't seem like that confident Sony anymore. Like Microsoft is just coming at them like harder and harder and harder, and that's part of the problem. Is they're reactionary versus being on the offensive so right now maybe that's what they're waiting for is they're waiting to see is xbox going to launch this year because if they are then they have to so do they just sell out what they have now and then just wait till later on and then people buy more in which case again that's when's microsoft going to launch because phil spencer just did that pod uh, that podcast with um ryan mccaffrey for podcast unlocked over at ign saying you know we're still going to launch this year we're on track we're not having any issues i wouldn't expect him to come out right and say oh yeah you know we're having problems we can't meet quota this and that this and that but all the reports that say issues about shortages and getting parts and all this stuff and that stuff i never see any of it mentioned microsoft's name so i wonder too if that's part of the thing is if they do decide to sell this year if that's going to lead to like the situation with the switch right now switches you cannot get anywhere even veronica um posted the other day she's trying to get a switch but she can't find one anywhere because it's all just a bunch of scalpers so is this going to be a scalpers market to where once it sells out you're gonna have to wait quite some time before everything returns to normal or are you gonna pay that high even if it launches at 499 are you gonna pay the 700 because you have to have it from some random guy in michigan who bought 50 so what do you what do you think would be the best move or what would you want to do would you want them to come out now push come to shove if microsoft does or sit back and if March 2021 is the better year for and makes the most sense where we can get a box that doesn't cost an arm and a leg to to get, I mean, which what what do you want? You want at the end of 2020 or does 2021 look and maybe sound better? I think maybe it'd be smarter to delay, but I'm not a business person. I don't know those numbers. Personally, I think if Microsoft launches, they have to launch because it's not last time where it's not the genesis where people are going to wait a whole year to get whatever Sony console is they're going to be ready, I don't think, because their messaging has been so bungled lately. I think the people who are going to get it are going to get it day one, but there's a lot of people out there who are flip-flopping, and with the price playing a factor, release date playing a factor now, on top of the fact that Sony also say, oh, I we don't know what games are going to be, uh, you know, a they said first the top 100 PlayStation 4 games, then they said like all the PlayStation games are going to be backwards compatible eventually, whereas when the next Xbox comes out, that's a day and date going to work for me. So I already have this back catalog of games that I want to play. So, you know, they're in a much better position. Yeah, um, and I think, you know, it, the closer we get to it, we're kind of going to see what their actual moves going to be and what's going to happen. I'm actually really but... excited for it. What, for the system to come out or just to get more news on it? Just to see what they're going to do. Like, because it's a crazy, unprecedented time, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, if there's anything else you want to put on top of that, um, I mean, it is what it is. I think that, again, uh, the only other thing I want to add to it was they were saying that this console, it's got to be at least 499 to 549 That 399 dream, I think, is dead. Oh, that's, that was unrealistic. Really waiting to take a loss on that console. 
And again, that's something that could play into Microsoft, who is a bigger company that who knows if they're willing to take that huge law. You know, it's again, that's more what I'm excited for is because it's all reactionary to where at this point, even though we're in a recession, the only people who are going to win from this war is going to be us because they're going to be trying to cut whatever, you know? Yeah, something's <laughs> going to drop and somebody's going to walk out with the better price point that the actual consumer is going to be able to get and and benefit from. So either way, yeah, it should work out for us. It does suck when you look at these big companies that have to take these big hits and factor in these these unforeseeable circumstances. Like no one saw this was coming. So it is just kind of, it'd be interesting if Microsoft drops and it doesn't sell because we're in a time where, you know, maybe people don't have the money to get it. And then Sony does wait till next year and it ends up selling sufficiently or maybe runs out of stock. So um, yeah, again, I mean, we're, we're only a handful of months away to see what's going to happen. And again, the big thing is too, that social climate could change by then, you yeah. know, here in two months, everything could go back to being normal. I doubt it. I'm very doubtful of something like that, but you know, just as fast as this came, as this thing came, it could just as easily leave. Right. Awesome. Ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. So, guys, there have been remakes aplenty coming out this year, and two of the biggest ones hit. Um, the first one we're going to talk about, Andrew actually had a chance to play, completely beat, um, if I'm not mistaken, 100% of the game at this point, uh, is Resident Evil 3, which came out on the third of this month, earlier this month. And before you jump into um, the gameplay, I just want to drop some facts i know this was a conversation we had when we talked about the comparison between two and three so capcom right now has shipped two million copies of uh resident evil 3 the remake in I five see days that. it's selling well yeah and but if you look at resident evil 2 they shipped three million in its first week and then uh resident evil 2 actually peaked at seventy-four thousand concurrent players on its steam debut where resident evil 3 is tracking fairly close out but it's at sixty thousand. Um, so just the comparison physical one, there's still a lot of people who probably haven't picked maybe their orders and stuff like that. Again, Resident Evil 2 didn't come out in a pandemic, so right, yeah. Well, th but that's also interesting though, because it says 50% of its sales so far from Resident Evil 3 have been all digital. So, yeah, that, I, I, yeah, that is the case. Digital. If you were to double that market, you know, anyone that's waiting or can't get access to it, you know, yeah, maybe those numbers would have shot up. But for being in the situation that it has been, it sold uh, quite well. And Capcom's got to be patting themselves on the back looking forward to the next one. So uh, numbers aside, I mean, how is the actual game and its experience? Because it's, it's I've been seeing reviews. It's it's not I wouldn't say hit or miss. It's generally received as favorable. But you do have haters. <coughs> out there. Haters get a hate. Yeah. Well, in regards to what you're saying, Capcom patting themselves on the back, they've actually already sent out like a new survey saying, you know, what kind of, what do you want next from like a Resident Evil? How did you like 3 remake? And there was just like basic questions and stuff like that. I mean, as far as 3 goes, um, again, follow us on Instagram because we write, you know, we're not going to put a score on anything. We're going to put it in a lately, you know, should you play it now? Should you wait? That sort of thing. Um, if you're looking for a good time, I absolutely had a blast with it. I don't think that I, I think it's maybe one of those games too. I know people look at two as a better game, but I felt like two also had a lot of padding on it, even though I absolutely love the game. If three had been remade before two, people would be swooning over three, but two happened to come first. So I think that's the big two is leagues better than three conversation is two came first. And that's what completely revamped that old system. I mean, there is cut content from three, but I don't think that it's anything that made that big a difference. Realistically, I think it's not detrimental to the game at all. If anything, it just makes a more cohesive storyline for the darker narrative that they're going. Like for some of the examples, for those of you who don't know, like they cut out the um, 
the action sequences from Resident Evil 3. So like at the beginning of Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, you can choose to fight the Nemesis or run into the RPD. I think if you beat them there, you can get like a weapon part. But it almost plays out in the same way. Instead of you making a choice, you can choose to fight the Nemesis out there on the streets or you could run and get away from them. It's just not a stop action thing. And there's not too many of those, but there are times where he shows up and if you fight him and kill him or down him, you will get that reward. So I felt that that almost say it played out the same way. And realistically, the things that they kind of cut out were, I, I, I don't think it made a big difference on whether you go come into the hospital through the front or the back or anything like that. Like, I don't think it was anything that drastic. I mean, what I will say though, too, is within the short time frame because Resident Evil 2 only came out a year ago, is this game, I think, is a lot better looking than Resident Evil 2. Like, crazy, crazy good looking. It's it's almost like it should, it, I would almost say like it's one maybe came out three years ago. That's the difference for me when I'm looking at these. I feel like it's a night and day difference. The only weird thing I had as far as looks go, I didn't mention in my review, is sometimes if you're far away from like a zombie or a horde of zombies, their frames get like a little like choppy like that-ish. But other than that, it's an absolutely beautiful game. And yeah, I, I did go through and 100% it. I went through, did the Inferno run. We actually live streamed that. Going to try to look into some more stuff like that too for, you know, Mixer or whatever. Only uh, 10 minutes off from the world. Only was 10 minutes off from the world record speed run. But now it's a lot lower. So I was like, fuck that. I, I can't compete with these guys. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, since so hit that 54 minute. <laughs> my big point to make too is that I enjoyed doing this game more than I did too. Because two by my third playthrough, I'm like, oh man, this is kind of like a slog, like I'm just going, it's whatever, that I loved every run that I did on this game, that I, I did like four or five runs just back to back to back to back, and it, I didn't get bored of it at all. I honestly even want to load, I'm going to load it up again and try to record an Inferno run to upload to the channel, just so if anyone wants to see how to do it or is interested in watching something like that, you know, you can go ahead and skim through something like that. And there's no achievements left to be had. Like, that's just how much fun I had playing this game. And that's on top of the fact that this came with Resident Evil Resistance, and yeah, I, haven't, I, I haven't played that yet because I don't have anyone else to play with besides you, but you've been so busy with Final Fantasy VII, which we'll get to. <laughs> so, again, that's something else that I'm ready to dive in now, too. I, you know, I'm already glowing about the game and gushing about it, and I haven't even touched the other half. Nice, yeah. Um, yeah, And I do want to start playing Resistance with you because I actually was just reading that they're launching a new uh, Nemesis type character in a month or two months or something like that where you can start playing more. Yeah, so we can definitely jump into that. But it is cool to see. It's it's when you're saying that the game looks three years, you know, one looks three years older than the other one. Um, it's just kind of crazy because weren't they like being developed at the same time and under right. the same engine? That, that's so, rumors, yeah. They were being developed at the same time and then this game came out a year later. So the other one they just came out. Have they do have separate achievement lists, though. So Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil Resistance have their own set of achievements. Oh, does Resistance actually have a... Is it, it's not 1,000, though, is it? Yeah, they're both 1,000. So for anyone who didn't know, because I didn't know, I was like, I don't see any Resistance achievements, which is cool, because I hate when games sometimes tie online oh, stuff to something maybe I'm not interested or ready for yet. I, not, not a game like Call of Duty or something. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'm going to launch this thing up. And I just, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go check. I didn't think there, there would be. I thought it would just be an add-on or whatever. But no, completely different set of achievements. Awesome. I, yeah, that is pretty cool. So I, um, I do enjoy when companies go the extra mile for something. Like, not that it takes a lot, but that Final Fantasy 10-10-2 combo, instead of it having 10 and 10-2 their own things, it's just mashed together. So it's a fucking slog grind 100% that thing. <laughs> nice. Um, 
Anything, any last words you want to put on Res 3? I know I still got to play it and, and we're going to get there. But yeah, the fact that you're still doing your speed runs and the fact that we're going to start at least uploading, hopefully at least one or two on the channel. I mean, it looks like it's doing well and it sold successfully. So anyone that thought it was going to be a flop or maybe a shadow compared to number two, I mean, maybe it hasn't hit those numbers yet because Resident Evil 2 has hit so far uh, 6.5 million copies sold. Um, I'm not sure what Resident Evil 3's total numbers are because it's only been out for a few a handful of weeks compared to you know the year or so run that two's had but it's got to be at least steadily climbing and again capcom has nothing i mean they're already working on aren't they re, uh doing resident evil 8 now at this point is that the next one they're gonna do oh, that's the rumor that they're talking about i mean who, who knows what's going on with all that stuff so i mean i i think it sells well and again i think that if you're not a diehard elitist and again we'll come to this conversation with our next game too if you're not an elitist and you have an open mind and you're willing to accept some changes that they're obviously doing to this overall story because two had some stuff that was way different as well then i i think you'll love it and i definitely think it's worth getting nice okay so let's us move on to the next uh remake of conversation here which is the highly probably the most anticipated remake i would say at this point of all of all time Final Fantasy VII remake. It came which, out. It's it's out, baby. It came out four ten nineteen a week or so after yours. Um, and just to put it into perspective, where a game like Resident Evil Two sold six point five million in its entirety, Final Fantasy VII, which has been out for a week or so, has already sold twelve million copies. So oh, yeah, yeah, this has been on yeah the the forefront of everybody's uh, to do list. Is, and the fact that it's finally out, um. It's been, there's been episodes, I think Andrew and I have just had conversations about, you know, what's it going to have? What won't it have? Where's it going to end? How's the story going to do? And I got to say, as skeptical as I was going into it, because there was no, at least I stopped watching spoiler trailers and reviews and stuff like that, finally getting to play it. The game took some very, um, I would say, well done liberties with it, because the game, unlike maybe a Resident Evil 2 that's that's a remake close to a beat for beat in terms of what was happening. Maybe a couple things were changed in the mansion or maybe somebody, an enemy was here or there. This game is its own unique story. And I look at it kind of like how, you know, we talk comic books here and there. It's just almost like watching a different earth Superman. You know, you know, the Superman origin, you know, the storyline, this game takes everything, you know, about cloud. Most of it takes everything about avalanche and just repackages it into its own uh, narrative. And they did it extremely successfully and it it rebuilt characters that you didn't really know much of prior and fleshed them out completely to be memorable characters it made new characters that completely stand out in the game and and defined uh certain chapters that you were going through the combat is probably what stands out the most i was kind of iffy on how you take you know a traditional turn-based rpg and turn it into the the action kind of uh, atb status that they had and it worked out great. It's got different um, difficulties that you can play. And some people have an issue with how, you know, the easy mode. There was a big um, controversy with, like, Kotaku's uh, review of, like, the easy mode compared to how normal works. But like Too easy or something like that. Yeah. That's actually a question that I had for you. And I want to note, too, again, whereas I played Resident Evil 3 and Craig has not, he's played Final Fantasy 7 and I have not. And I'm going to actually wait for the Xbox version to play it just because. Yeah. I, I've got plenty of a million other games to play. It's something I'm dying for, but I definitely can't wait. So I wanted to ask you, one, what difficulty did you play it on? How long did it take you to beat? And then based off of that, how many more games would you... Based off of this one now, the big question is, how many games is it going to take to tell this complete story? So what? how, how many do you think... 
as a guesstimation based off of this one where it's going to go. Okay, so I I have to say now because I'm I, I don't want to let anything slip, but if I accidentally do, I'm just going to spoiler warning may happen. I might say something that someone considers a spoiler that other right. people don't. I'm not, I'm going to do my best to not say anything that 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 ruins the game for anybody. But um, I played it on easy mode. When I, when I most of my games when I try to play on hard or get like a full achievement run, we do that on Xbox. So when I play games on uh, PlayStation, I generally just like to enjoy the story and that, you know, that's, it's kind of my relaxing one. So I played it on easy and, um, and just really appreciated the story, but there is, you know, the normal and the hard mode once you beat it that are actually quite challenging. Um, I, I think it took around, I never trust my time cause I leave my systems on. I think I clocked in around like 33 hours or something like that. And I didn't go get everything during the game. So, uh, time-wise, you know, 30 something hours, I'm hearing it's taking other people maybe 50 to complete everything and get all the collectibles and get everything like that. And I know some people had an issue with going into your next question, how long do I think it's going to be in its entirety, you know, the complete saga of it. Um, I don't know what people are really expecting because Final Fantasy VII, the original, isn't a game that takes more than 50 or 60 hours. And if you've already got part one taking, you know, 30 to 40 for people, then my guess was always two. I see two being being the right number, but after finishing number one and seeing you know how where it stops because we knew where it was gonna stop, but how it stopped, then I would say that I wouldn't be mad at three being the total number that I get to play because there's just certain things that if they're stopping Final Fantasy that you know remake at point A, that I don't want them to either cut out more than they can or not use as much as they should. To make right. the next game or two. So uh, easy mode, 30-something hours. I would like the game to go at three. Unless by the time the next systems come out. Which maybe that's by the time development they do for the next game. We're going to be able to pack all of it on to part two. Which would you know, which is going to dwarf the size of number one. So um, I see it being two. But three I wouldn't be mad at at all. So the overall game, man, if you have a PlayStation... I would go play this game, even if you're not a big fan of RPGs. Like, this story is so interactive with just this whole, let's save the environment from this corporation that's slowly destroying it. And also, let's self-identify with who we are with this character that's having this um, kind of mental breakdown. So, it's got two very nice themes, if you want to look at it in terms of that. I'm not going to tell anyone how to interpret what they play. But I, I would say that it's definitely a game worth checking out, um, breathtaking. One of the things that I got to say that stood out besides the combat, because I've been reading reviews and no one's really talking about it, is the weapon building. Like if you start the game and you, uh -huh. get, you collect a weapon like a sword, the sword comes with built-in, I think they call them SP points, that you can start building stuff up with. So like the Buster Sword comes with two materia. You can start spending points that the sword already has to add another piece of materia to it, to add... 10% damage when you're low on health to add blah, 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 blah. Um, and then it comes with an ability that you get to learn during your, when you're attacking. So if you use that ability, you actually learn it. So even when you switch weapons to the next one, you get to keep the attack that that had. And now you get points built in to start building up your next weapon. Um, it sounds like it's something that everyone should get and grasp right away, but it's, it's nothing I'm reading about in terms of the highlights of Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I thought that was one of the things that stood out the most was the customization of building your weapon as you're building your character. I think I did see that in a lot of people. Or well, not a lot of people, but like the one or two like side notes that I read maybe in people's comments. Like you said, because I didn't see like too many people talk about it until I was reading like 
people responding back to it was yeah that that's that was a it seemed like a cool feature because then it makes some of those early game weapons that you find like his buster sword definitely viable as a playable option late game it's not just like oh this thing's weak as shit there's no point to use it anymore when that's his most iconic weapon yeah and because it can have an ability that another sword later on the game doesn't have and the other cool thing is let's say the sword started with 60 points there's other quests and things you can buy that can boost points up so when i went back to look at old weapons i had 20 extra points to go back in and rebuild up this weapon so um, I really like the customization. The the summons were really good. The new characters that they added, I don't want to, again, I, I, this might be a spoiler, so I don't want to dive in, but they did a really good job with with fleshing out the, this whole cities and these worlds. But one guy that stands out was Leslie Kyle. So when you get to play the game, this guy actually ends up having a very unique story that um, I'm like, wow, I can't believe they made this whole section of this game about this portion of this guy's life. And it really like, Got me. I was like, oh man, that's cool. And if you can take what we love about Final Fantasy VII, which is everything, and just add, and the only thing you're adding more is better character lore and, you know, new people to fall in love with and like and, and root for, then I don't know what anyone's complaining about that it's, you know, oh, it's not the traditional game. No, let's add more to it and like, and let's start liking more things about it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with this game. I didn't, again, we don't give ratings on our Instagram, but, um, I didn't put it as like a 10 per se, because it's not over yet. I can't rank half a game as, a t this isn't like playing Uncharted 1 and then playing Uncharted 2. The game's not over until I play the next half. It's all one and the same, or the next three of them. So right. once I play the game in its entirety, then I think I can comfortably say whether or not I put it as one of the best games ever, top five, top 10, top 20. But I gotta say the first game has been an incredible start to something, if that if they're building in that direction, then they're moving in the right way. What uh, do, you have, do you have anything negative about it? Um, you would change personally? negative. Negative. I know we were talking about it, and I know Gino was talking about it, and, and CN is. I don't. I thought I was really gonna miss the world map because once you start doing it, it's all kind of like, like we've been saying, Kingdom Hearts, where you're kind of running from spot to spot and you got to back travel and go that way. I would say that that was kind of annoying. And they kind of rectify that towards the end of the game. Again, I won't say how or ruin anything, but I really, that was probably about it. Other than that, everyone's, everyone's narrative, I mean, was just great to explore. I mean, even the side characters like Jesse and Wedge and Biggs kind of stood out and had their shining moments. So other than that, man, the game, there's heart. I mean, unless you're just a purist and you hate what they tried doing, there's really nothing to complain about. Again, that's what I've seen too, and that's the biggest thing is I think when it comes to both of these games is if you're a purist where it's got to be one-for-one one remake of how the original was with just updated graphics, then these aren't going to be for you, unfortunately. Yeah, I will say this. One thing, I, I mean, unless I missed something and I didn't know how to trigger them faster or, or get them generating in the beginning, I, don't, I didn't seem to be using my summons as much as I thought I was going to be because like it's its own gauge that pops up, and when it counts down, you can start, you can start summoning people. I didn't see that building up as fast as it would in every battle. It kind of seemed only when I was in these bigger battles that were taking, you know, longer than 30 seconds and, you know, two, three, four minutes that it would start building. So unless I miss something that gets it going faster, I, I miss not using, you know, Ifrit, you know, as much as I thought I would have liked to. So I wonder if like thinking back at it too, because realistically, like thinking back, I don't know if I really used the summons like that, that much. I mean, I did obviously towards like, the end when you get knights of the round and you're fighting you know that weapons and stuff like that but throughout the game as a whole i i even in my last run even especially with the cheats i don't think that i 
was really use them. Well, yeah, I wonder, maybe, maybe that's the thing is because you're playing on easy, the fights are getting over so quick that maybe you would have used them more on normal. Yeah, definitely. And that was another thing I thought of. Maybe, but again, though, if it is just a time-based thing, then sure. But the difference would be in your in the old one, you could use the summon if and whenever you wanted to. Yeah. This new one has like a clock on it. So if you want to be able to use whatever you have, whenever you have the ability to use it, the summon, I think, at least you know, on my gameplay, just was the furthest one I ever got to. Exp- exp- I think I probably used summons maybe five or six times throughout the game, and you know, in thirty hours, that you know, that doesn't seem accurate but yeah I, I really actually do want to go back and play it on the hard mode because um just to see what that's like that's where i know the challenge is going to be and that's where we'll be able to grind but uh again playstation is what i use for relaxing calm down games where you know we achievement hunt on the other system so uh, nice. i i i saw that you i think you have to beat it once through to unlock the hard mode yeah yeah you actually got you had to beat it completely and then it unlocks the hard mode that you can beat on which um which takes off a couple of things that you can use in the regular playthrough. I forget off the top of my head what, but it also unlocks uh, chapter select. So when you can go back and play it on whatever difficulty you want and go finish all the missions maybe you missed or go collect oh, any cool. items you may have missed or something like that. So it's got it, it's when an RPG already has replayability, then it's a step in the right direction in my book. So. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Nice. Anything I'm else like, you want to go on FF Seven? Are we? Waiting to play it in uh, March. Yeah, we we'll play it a year from now. <laughs> nice. All right, so let's us move into Little Rippers. Rippers, Rippers, Rippers. Um, I'll start it off, and then uh, we can just get into that. So, because we're at about 30 minutes, so we can probably crush this out. Um, and again, guys, these are Rippers are mainly when we kind of recap what's going on in the week news. I kind of wanted to go over some stuff that already happened since we've already missed three weeks of stuff, just so you can right. get our opinion on it. So uh, the PS5 controller uh, was actually revealed. This was on, I believe, April 7th. This was in the PlayStation blog, and they're showing that it's officially called the DualSense. It's, um, and they've kind of released what features it's going to have. We already know, we know it has the haptic feedback, the adaptive triggers, the crate button, the audio jack, and the built-in mic. Um, but let's talk about that look, Andrew. You see this thing come out. Was this um, a joke? Are they liking it? Did you like it personally? I mean, when did, I thought, when's the last time you seen a color, if ever, be split colors like that and it not being the front and the back? Why is it on the front like that? I don't know. I, I personally thought it was an ugly controller. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as it doesn't affect functionality, I guess who really gives a shit? But yeah, no, I personally think the controller is ugly, and it's crazy because there's a lot of people who took to like Twitter, or other forums, and stuff like that, posted fucking a million times better designs. There was all kinds of crazy cool ones. Even just an all black one looked a lot better. Oh, yeah, I have one. I think I'll throw it up if I if we can get it on there. Yeah, the all black one just looks. Why would you? And, and why white though? Especially when like the Xbox One kind of took over that white um, design. Why do the white and black look at all? I I I don't know, man. Like I said, I I mean. The control, it looks like a DualShock. It looks like it's kind of bulkier than what a DualShock, like, 4 is. Like, it definitely looks like it's wider. I think, uh, again, it just looks really, like, I, I think it's an ugly controller. And I think it's funny because a lot of people are, like, taking it. And I don't know if you've seen, like, the meme. So, like, someone tried to make, so someone drew it. So it was, like, an anime girl with, like, big titties. Like wearing like a shirt or whatever, and that's where the sticks inside. But the sticks were like also it was like she was jogging, like how anime does that with like boobs or whatever. But then someone else drew it, so it was like the yoga chick from 
Nintendo, I forget, uh, the Wii Fit trainer, but she's like bending over and looking backwards. And so like the humps, the weird humps on the top for like where the triggers are supposed to be like her butt or something like that. I don't know. There's all kinds of like weird shit out there. That I was like, man, that really just like highlights like how fucking weird this controller looks. I just don't know how that it's not even just like, like visually, like it looks like physically, like it's got like weird curves and shapes to it. Yeah. It's, I'm surprised this design got past like the floor room or, you know, the boardroom of these guys finalizing this thing, but who knows? Maybe it's it. the best filling controller ever. Who knows? Hope and hopefully, because Sony's been one of those ones that notoriously, notoriously stick with the same design and just improve on what's already great in you know some people's minds. And the fact that it is kind of, I mean, maybe it is kind of lending itself to more people with bigger hands. You know that you know it's kind of getting that kind of Xbox spread design. Um, I just don't know how you do white and black like that. But if they do do other colors, like maybe a red and black, a blue and green, or whatever, or you can start customizing it, maybe other ones will kind of pop more than just this generic white and black look um i don't know it looks like a demo controller is what it looks like when they send out like demo kits like test playstation kits and shit before the final design that's kind of what it looks like to me and that's that's the thing is i just didn't realize how bad looking i really thought it was until i seen all these other people with way better designs that aren't like it wasn't like when the series x they showed it like i personally liked the design from day one but i was like oh this design's cool this design's cool but it's people adding like the Master Chief graphic and other graphics and stuff like that. But this is people putting like, all right, here's black with like a, the blue LED, like how the PS4 has going around the controller, whatever, a hundred times better. Yeah. And the other thing I got a question, if this is the final design for, for the PlayStation 5 and, and the launch controller is white and black, then the first thing I have to jump in my head, then doesn't the shell of the console have to at least mimic the, the, the look of the controller to be white and black? Because there's nothing we've seen I, in terms of box design that even looks close to the white and black design because I don't I it's I don't think I've ever seen a controller not imitate or, or at least replicate match what the, the console it launches with yeah, yeah match it at all because and then now if the PlayStation goes white black day one then that is completely uh completely out of their element in terms of everything anything we've ever gotten from them since the PS one uh, maybe they got that like little girl from the grape juice commercial was just like why not both nice so that's all i gotta say about that other than um we know the haptic feedback is is the big reason why it's the dual sense they're going into you know how it simulates the touch of outputs uh, with the vibrations in the movement to replicate real touch experience and then that creators are getting the ability to use the adaptive triggers for r2 and r2 to um kind of mimic uh resistance in terms of like gun trigger and shit like that so which i think like xbox uh, already does yeah, I mean, so the controller's definitely got everything we want. The crate button, I don't, I know we don't have a ton of info on it, but closer to launch we will in terms of just generating new content while the gamer plays. Um, other than that, the controller's doing everything it should. Does the look or design speak, you know, any better or not about it? At this point, I would say no. <laughs> All black would have been fine, unless the box is white and black. <laughs> so, I don't yeah, know. Knows, you, I didn't even get about that. Alright, so mine, I'm actually kind of going to merge two together because I forgot to write this other one down, but they're kind of based on the same concept. Due to everybody being locked up, people are finding creative ways to create social sorts of gatherings, so you get that social experience, both for good and bad. So I think it was today, maybe yesterday, I'm not sure. Again, I, I forgot to look up this one, but there was someone who passed away who played a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, and this person created a group and he had a lot of friends that he played with you know they do all whatever on there and they posted a thing on facebook and like other forums saying like hey we're holding a funeral for you know someone who was a gamer we're just gonna do like a little dress however you want to 
and we're going to do like a walk through the game, everyone together, just as a remembrance for him, maybe tell some stories about him or stuff like that. And actually a bunch of people ended up showing up and they almost made it kind of like funeral. Everyone was wearing black, had like black umbrellas and they just did a walk out to this, like um, I, this tree in the game. I don't, I don't know what it is or what it symbolizes or something like that. But I thought that was a really cool thing, even though it's obviously for something that's sad and depressing. And of course, you know, whoever it is that lost someone like that, that's very unfortunate, but for people to be able to find some sort of creative outlet, whether or not they could have physically been there, because who knows if these people live by that guy, this is something that you could do now. And, oh, and I've, I've, I forgot to mention that this person actually passed away due to COVID-19. Oh, bummer. And so it was just a way for people to get together. And and again, the, the next one I have is a bit funny. I was kind of telling Craig about it a little bit more, and I just thought it was hilarious that there's all kinds of people on Tinder now that are putting their Animal Crossing links. So Tinder is like a hookup website. You create like a profile on there and just randomly meet people and stuff like that. But there's lots of people who are now, because due to COVID, are putting their animal crossings on there and going on virtual dates. But there's lots of people that are like just using people, like going to their place, taking all their pairs or whatever, and then just like leaving, not fulfilling their end of a deal or whatever. There's some people who've gone on a few dates. There's other people now who are hosting, like they created their own island, tried to create a romantic feel to it. And the other two people will come and go on like a date for an hour or two, like on the virtual island or whatever. And I was even reading some guy saying, he's like, you know what? Before, like I kind of matched with people on Tinder. It was kind of whatever. But now that I added my Animal Crossing, I'm getting more than I ever have. And I just thought it was another one of these just weird things due to having to do the social distancing. Which I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. So, dude, yeah, that's Nintendo for keeping people together. Yeah, it's crazy that you know we could live in this time where you know it's cool that you can get together online and do something, you know, do a digital kind of uh, remembrance or memorial for someone that's maybe passed away. But at the same time, also do these things for people that don't get out of the house and. <laughs> You found a new way to start maybe meeting someone because you know there's someone out there that's getting married via Animal Cross Tinder oh. hookup. <laughs> so yeah, nuts, 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 and Animal Crossing, man. <laughs> I love that it's them bringing this to the forefront because you know there's old games like WoW that used to do you know things like that, but the fact that we're still being able to do this in Nintendo Switch's Animal Crossing is hilarious. Oh yeah, well yeah, one of the girls like quotes on there was like, I went to this guy's island. He seemed nice, but I noticed his timer was off. So that's something that people do when they cheat the game so that way they can get more items, whatever. It's like if he's cheating the game, would he cheat on me in real life? And it's just like all kinds of funny shit out there. I, I don't know. I think the story was on like Kotaku or Polygon or something like that. Go read it because it was hilarious. That's fantastic. Um, anything else on that? No. That's, that's all I got for that one. All right. So the last thing I want to touch on, guys, because it did happen um, last week or so, is if you started playing Ori and the Will of the Wisp, then you know day one like I did. There was problems with it. It had lag. It had frame rate drops. It had achievements not popping. Um, if you dive into actually everything that was wrong with it, it's quite a list, which was surprising because a game, I don't want to say this small, but under, you know, this many eyes and under, you know, how how tight that system is, you know, coming off of the... It should be, yeah. yeah but it, this game could launch with way more problems than I think it should have, and it still got fabulous reviews on, at its launch, on its debut. So... The game was great when it came out, bending, you know, pending problems, but the big patch came out that actually fixed, I think, almost all of this stuff. So you can now play this game, and it's, if you didn't play it when it came out, now's the time to jump in, because you can actually appreciate this game without having any bitterness, because I beat the game on hard mode, I beat, there were certain yeah, bosses, I, I got collectibles that just didn't pop, and I'm like, well, that's very unsatisfying as someone, when you beat a game, and you want to show someone that maybe you did it on a harder difficulty or something like that. So this is now a completely patch so go enjoy that if you can but one of the bigger things 
that because I, I told Gino about this because he was still playing the game when the patch came out was fast travel. Fast travel was always a pain in the ass. You had to unlock these shrines and then you can move from shrine to shrine. You can now go from if you unlock the shrine from anywhere on the map warp to certain shrines now. So it saves a ton of backtracking now. And if you are doing any type of speed runs, I'm sure that's got to help you out in one way or another. So the game now is completely playable and probably better than it was day one, just in terms of what they've added. So go play Ori and the Will of the Wisps because the game is fantastical. I have it downloaded. So, I'll play it a year from now. I, I expecting nothing less. So Andrew, is there anything else you want to add to our first remote episode of Last Call Gaming, episode 43? Uh, I binged Castlevania, and that season three is absolutely fucking fire. Go watch that if you have not. I thought it was oh, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, I, I, when I was done with it, I texted you, and I'm like, the fuck? Dude, it so, was so good. Awesome, guys. So that is the end of episode 43, guys. Make sure that you guys check us out on all the social medias, on your Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. If you guys want to listen to the podcast, we have that on Spotify, iTunes, and CastBox. So until next time, my name is Craig Perales, and that is Manju Montemayor. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs>